welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, episode number 85 for Saturday the 27th of January, 2018. And I've been hard at work on who to trust this week. I keep abbreviating it as WTT, who to trust. <laughs> I keep going to read it as WTF, so I have to be very careful with that. Now, um, I've written um, two days worth, so Thursday and Friday this week. And I wrote 5222 words on Thursday and 5084 words today. In fact, I just finished writing those in about the last quarter of an hour. So I'm hot off the press, so to speak. That gives me a word count this week of 10,306 and um, 20,000, 20 and a half thousand over the past two weeks. Now, it's very rare for me to write two days in a row for two weeks running. I might write two days in a row for one week just because I'm a bit squeezed for time. Very seldom that I would do that much writing over the course of two weeks. Now, the reason for that is that I need to have this book done by 22nd of March. And by done, I mean written and me having, well, my wife having gone through it and me having gone through it. So it's in a fit state to hand over to Helen Fazar. So it's quite a deadline on this one. It's only a 50,000 word book. So what I've done uh, is because I've been slacking in January and by slacking, I usually try and work on a Thursday with clients or doing training sessions and things. Um, so I'm, I'm effectively working four days of the week. And by working, I mean immediately paid kind of work. Um, I've been really lazy <laughs> in January and I've actually really enjoyed having Thursdays and Fridays off. And again, by Thursdays and Fridays off, I'm working, but I'm working on my stuff and I really like this pattern. So I actually haven't had any of my Thursdays filled in the whole of January. When's the first training course I'm doing? Well, I think yeah, the first week of February, I've taken on a couple of clients because they've come in. And then um, what am I doing? Yeah, I'm, a, I'm still a little bit slacker, actually, in February, to be honest. But I have got a training course on, and I have had to um, see some clients during February. So I know I shouldn't moan about that. But I, I actually love just doing the three days a week work and then getting on with my stuff for the next four days. So um, because I had those Thursdays free, I thought, do you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to get this writing in the pot to make sure that this book is done on time, just in case you know what life's like, in case it throw, throws anything up and I'm squeezed for time. So I'm in the very healthy position after only three weeks of writing of being halfway through the book. I'm at the 25,000 word stage. It's going really well. Um, I, I, I'm sort of at the halfway stage. I'm always sort of thinking, okay, we need a big, uh, something big now. But th this book's a slow burn. It's interesting this, when they give this, um, what is it, this hero's journey and this three act structure. I, I do follow that, but it, it's interesting, isn't it? That the structure of this book is slightly more, of a slow burn so it sets the stakes really early in the book and and it's a book that unfurls more than anything um and and always there's always something happening and always something moving the action on but i would say this one unfurls i think that's the best word way to describe it and i planned it out that way very specifically so that you'd start with this big event and um another thing i've, I've noticed that i do with my thrillers is um they're very much about relationships uh, you know, couples, friends, families. There's a lot of relationships uh, in my books, and and I really like examining the what things that people say and what they mean, 
and the secrets that people hide. That's what my, my books tend to be about. This one's this one's really like that because it's based around a, a group of, of 10 friends and the title Who to Trust kind of tells you it all really. And so I, I'm unfurling the relationships and unfurling the secrets. And as the secrets build, you reach this crescendo, but you know it's going to reach a crescendo that you've already read about. You know that something awful is going to happen because you read about that in the first pages of the book. So it is making me think a little bit about this concept of the three-act structure. And again, I've I've just, as part of Project Bloodhound, which I've explained to you in previous diaries, Project Bloodhound, if you haven't quite caught it, is me. Uh, the next book I'm going to write is going to be a full-length book, which will be 90 to 100,000 words. And I'm writing it specifically for a Bloodhound books kind of audience. And it will be um, a thriller. As part of Project Bloodhound, though, I'm reading a series of thrillers, uh, some of which have been uh, written and published for Bloodhound books to get a feel of their house style. But also I'm, I'm reading some big sell- uh, big bestsellers, I should say. And I've just finished reading The Couple Next Door. And when I was reading The Couple Next Door, it didn't feel to me like it it felt like a slow burner, a bit of an unfurler like the one I'm writing at the moment. Didn't I'm sure it probably has a three-act structure if you look for it, but it didn't feel like it had um, a three-act structure. It just felt to me like it was twisting and turning constantly uh, with revelations, which is kind of the thrillers that I write. And I, I do try and keep them with that three-act structure, but I do wonder you know, how many writers, whether it's a, an indie thing or whether it's something that everybody else um, observes, and also, when you get to literary fiction, for instance, the whole point of literary fiction, in many respects, is that it completely breaks the rules. It breaks the genre types. And, and you're basically getting a book, if it's literary fiction, that, that isn't like another book, I would guess. It's quite unique in its nature. So that's just me pontificating a little bit about the three-act structure, the hero's journey, all of those concepts that we sort of live and breathe as indie authors. Anyhow... So back to the book. Very happy with the progress. Um, I, I, I just, it just needs a little something in the next writing. I think something quite big in the next writing. Um, but it is, it's building to a, towards a big explosion uh, of all these relationships. And I'm very happy with the way that it's doing that. I'm really enjoying writing it because it's based in Benidorm and based very much on a lot of the venues that I've just visited. So it's a lovely way for me to relive uh, that holiday and some of the venues I visited. So uh, what I need to tell you this week, the big news of this week that isn't related to actually writing the books is that I've got a big promo going on as I speak. Now, just to remind you, Don't Tell Meg is for free. And I've got the follow-up books of the trilogy, which is The Murder Place of the Forgotten Children. They are on a Kindle countdown deal. So yesterday I had a promo on Free Booksy Fussy Li- and Fussy Librarian. So Fussy Librarian and Free Booksy. Today... Uh, they may have even gone out. I'm never really quite sure because it's US time, but I've got promos on My Book Cave, uh, Kindle Nation Daily, Many Books, Ebook Soda, and one more that I booked at the last minute that I've forgotten. I should have written it down for you. But I, uh, somebody else, um, a lot of these companies, when they say you've got a promo on, um, it's very good and I don't mind it. They actually, they just message you and say, would you like to, to book a slot? We've got a slot available. And I have to say, it doesn't trouble me in the slightest. So I just said yes. Now, who was it? Um, I'm just trying to see who it was. It was my book, something or other. I can't remember. I'll, I'll put it on the resources page when I figured out who it was. I've got too many emails in the system uh, for me to find it quickly in my archived emails at the moment. Um, so I've got loads of promos going. Let me tell you then what the results are. Now, 
in UK time, I'm recording this at 1.30 on Friday afternoon. And really, in the in the USA, they tend not to send promos until about this time or after this time, because the USA is fully awake then. So don't really be swayed by today's results, because I, I always get higher results overnight because of the US. So if I go into yesterday's results, first of all. So this was with two promos, Free Boxy and Fussy Librarian. So yesterday, my, my income for the day was just short of £80. It was 79 95 And that was made up pretty well. I, I sold a couple of other books, but it was pretty well the, the Don't Tell Meg series. And uh, that that was made up of 1,906 giveaways, 153 sales, which is a, a good sales number, actually. And then 2,759 pages read. And pages read are always really good on these promos. So... Um, 1,905 giveaways, that's quite a good amount, but it's nothing like a book bub. I mean, I have to tell you that there's nothing quite like a book bub. And, and part of my strategy in, in doing so many of these promos over two days was to try and replicate just some of the traffic that a book bub could give you. But it's quite clear that these can't get anywhere near the kind of traffic. All these promo sites together can't get anywhere near the quality and the sheer numbers that a book bub can give you. Now, the sales versus the income seem low so 150 sales is great in a day um you know paid sales um but the countdown deal and i may have made a mistake here the countdown deal on the first promo day, day was set to 99 pence 99 cents and i have a feeling that i probably should have put it to 199 rather than 99 99 might be a bit cheap so i've shifted some books of course I got some read-throughs, made a little bit more income, but I was looking at that income thinking, and this might be me being fussy since the book bub, so I was looking at it thinking, mm, not sure how good that is. Uh, I don't know whether, I'm, I'm not really very happy with that. I'd like to have broken 100 or, or, or 200 pounds today. Now that, again, see, that might be, be me being unrealistic because what I have found from the book bub, clearly the book bub sends a lot more traffic, but, you know, really, if you're earning 30, 40 pounds a day, over a month, you can have a good month with that. What is what's thirty pounds over, uh, say thirty pounds times thirty-one days in a month? Yeah, so that's nine hundred and thirty. So if you're earning thirty-five pounds a day over a month, you're going to break a thousand pounds, and I think most of us would be quite delighted with that. I, I certainly would be happy. I'm ha very happy with a thousand pound month. Um, so eighty quid in a day uh, during a promo. You'd be very happy with it out of promo time. Not sure how happy I am with it in promo time. Now, it's too early days yet to talk about today's results because at the moment, you can see the USA hasn't even woken up yet. So at the moment, uh, I've done 107 giveaways, uh, 10 sales and £24.40 in, in profit from books. And we've got uh, page reads and things like that in there as well. So too early to say on Friday. But at the moment, it feels a little bit slow um, not really excited about those numbers. I feel to a certain extent, if I only made 80 quid, I'd, I'd be making, this week I, I kind of had quite good daily amounts without any kind of promo going on. And I do wonder whether I should have maybe made the countdown deal 199 and upwards. I think I might have discounted it too much at 99 pence or cents, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. It's early days yet. And the, the benefits that you get from these promos, first of all, are in getting lots of people into book one. And then the next benefit of that, well, you, you get an immediate benefit from some people who will then go on to buy the other books in the series. They like the look of it. They just buy the lot. That's why I put it on a countdown deal to make it look more attractive to them. And then you've got the sort of the longer tail of that, which is where people read book one, decide that they like it, and then need to go on to buy books two and three. That's when you're making 
slightly more money because they're having to buy the books then at full price if they didn't buy the countdown deal. So uh, again, I think it's too early days yet. But what I will do in next week's diary is I'll give you a summary and let you know where we're up to and um, tell you whether I'm happier with that promo or not. One of the things I, I meant to do before I recorded this diary actually was to compare it with my results that I had with Free Booksy. So if you remember, I did another Free Booksy promo and sent it to a couple of other sites and uh, that gave me my first $1,000 month. So what I will do in next week's diary is I'll compare the numbers with this promo and the last non-BookBub promo that I did and see if I think that I did any better or any worse and whether it's likely that I'm going to be able to manage to squeeze out another $1,000 or, fingers crossed, £1,000 month as a result of doing this promo. So I also got the results from another Goodreads giveaway this week. And you remember that I've done loads of these Goodreads giveaways pretty well for every book that I've got that's first in series or standalone. And it's just been getting lots of people marking my books as want to read. And I think I commented a week or two ago, I said, oh, I'm, I'm beginning to see sales of my standalone thrillers, which I haven't really done much to promote, other than that they're in Don't Tell Meg and they're listed as more books by thriller writer Paul J. Teague. Um, but it did occur to me that probably the fact that I'm selling more of those books now is probably related to people shelving them as want to read in their Goodreads giveaways. So I had the last one in today, and that was, I think it's the last one, I forgot how many I listed, uh, but this was for The Secret Bunker, and I had 341 entrants to that giveaway, and 107 people marked it as want to read. They shelved it in Goodreads. Now, I can't do any more of those free giveaways anymore. But I did hear Joanna Penn talking on Monday. I think it was a Monday episode where she said, oh, they're doing a discount at the moment or the new style Goodreads giveaways. And she said, I'm just trying one while it's cheap, see how it works. And the difference now with the new style Goodreads giveaways is that number one, you have to pay for them. And I can't remember what it is uh, of the discount. It was 50 something dollars, I think. It was quite a good price, actually. And you give away 100 copies of the ebook. Now, for a trilogy like Don't Tell Meg, where there's quite a strong read through from books, book, book one through book two and book three. I just thought, hmm, at that price, that discounted introductory price, just what they're using on Goodreads to get, get it going. I thought that's probably all right, actually. If I, if I give away a hundred ebooks, which cost me nothing, I mean, these books cost me something, of course, but the ebooks cost me nothing. It just did occur to me that perhaps this might be worth a try. So I tried it and I got into immediate technical issues because it needed to be linked, the the account needed to be linked to an author account, and I couldn't make it bring in the right books. And I, I played around with it a couple of times because I've got three Goodreads accounts, one for sci-fi, one for nonfiction, and one for thrillers. And it was hooked up to one account, but that account wouldn't recognize my ASIN number for the thriller, for the Don't Tell Meg, which is what I wanted to promote. And I played around with it a bit. You know you know what it's like online. You get a bit fed up with something after a while. You think, oh, I've got other things to do. I'll park this till later. So that's in my parked till later pile. I think I'll probably get to it this weekend at some point. Um, but I do want to try, while they're cheap, one of those Goodreads giveaways. Because at that price, when they go to full price, which is over $100, it's going to have to show some results. But I thought, well, while it's a cheap price, I might try one of those, see if I get results from it, and then see whether it's actually going to be worth my while paying the full price for them in future. So again, as always on this diary, I'll let you know. Something that I did uh, notice this week is I'm selling I'm selling quite a lot of my Mailchimp paperback. It just sells itself. And interestingly, this is pretty well the same book that I wrote originally. So originally it was titled uh, what was it? Using email marketing 
for business. And I took a punt and thought email marketing is probably the, the word that people will look for. And I sold some copies of that book, but it wasn't very exciting. And then I just decided to, to re-nose it, you know, to repackage it. And it's just, it's pretty well the same book, just updated, but it's now called MailChimp Unboxed. And I don't do anything to promote this book. It just sits there. And this month, I can't remember how many uh, paperbacks I've sold, but um, I did tot up the numbers, but it was 40-something paperbacks that I've sold this month. And I thought those paperbacks are £9.99 each, £9.99 each for those paperbacks. And I had a look at how much, how many paperbacks I'd just sold, and I've sold £439.56 worth of my MailChimp book with not even drawing breath. I just sort of sat there. Uh, doing nothing. Now, I hasten to add that by the time you've taken the book production fees and everything away, it's not a very exciting amount at all. It's more exciting than I've ever had on CreateSpace. You'll probably know the same. Um, if you're a indie author, you probably only sell a handful of, of paperbacks. So to see me shifting, I think, in this month, um, and it was a month that the Secret Bunker people hadn't bought books. I always have a good month when they're ordering books. To see me shifting, you know, 60-something paperback books, is quite nice. And I'm beginning to get uh, checks from CreateSpace that are actually worth having, not not just a couple of dollars, but ones that are, you know, over a hundred dollars. They're, they're worth having now, some of these CreateSpace checks. And of course, they all go into the pot. So we've got all the different territories that we sell in. We've, we've got, I, I had payment from Audible this month and I'm, you know, I'm going to get these payments. I'm getting these payments from CreateSpace now. And obviously, because I did the book bub, we're getting slightly more money from different territories from the ebooks. And all of these things, you know, come together to create your author income. I also have affiliate income. Now, affiliate income is where you promote certain projects, projects or products, I should say, on a website. And then you maybe get paid 30% if, if you get a referral fee. And, and if you put all those things together, it does create a, a building income stream. <laughs> Not one that's enough to retire on yet, but a building income stream. So it is very interesting to see how all these things do come together and start to gradually build an income. Now I'm way off what I need on, on my income levels at the moment, but it is good to see that it's going up rather than down, which you kind of hope was the case, bearing in mind I'm writing more books. So if you're right at the beginning of your author career and you're just thinking, I've sold a book a month and I've only made 50 cents or something like that, it, it does come and it does build. And I think the advice that you'll always hear people saying is just write more books and just keep going. I honestly think that probably is the best advice, to be honest with you. So that's uh, paperback books. And again, I'll, I'll keep you up to date with those numbers. Um, I'll just come back to the couple next door, this thriller that I read at them well in the last week or so uh good thriller really enjoyed it i'm really just immersing myself in thrillers that are like the kind of thrillers that i want to write and the kind of thrillers that that bloodhound is is publishing because i just want to get my head in that space ready for when i start writing this longer thriller as project bloodhound in april and it just uh it surprised me actually in that you know i know i know what i'm writing is not is not perfect and i know that when it goes to a dev editor they'll they'll tell me some stuff and it will be really useful I'll learn from that so I know what I'm writing is not perfect but just saying to my wife you know having read that which is a bestseller it's not a million miles away from what I'm writing it's not that different it's not that spectacular compared to what I'm I'm writing a, a book's a book's a book really and, and it was a thriller and it had twists and turns and actually I I could pretty well see what was coming quite a long way off and I actually thought that the the surprise or the twist, if you call it that, was was a bit lacklustre. 
Um, but it was a good book. I'm not criticizing the book. I really enjoyed the book. But, you know, it wasn't that spectacular, is what I'm saying. It was just a book, and it was a good book, and I enjoyed it, and it's a best-selling book. But in terms of what I'm writing and and that book, I didn't feel like they were a million miles apart. And I found that quite encouraging. And the other thing I did this week, why did I do this? I'm just trying to think why. I don't really look at my reviews. I was trying. I was having to get a link. Oh, I know what I was doing. No, I don't. I can't remember what I was doing. But I was on Amazon. And for some reason, I was on uh, the last two books of the Don't Tell Meg series. And I just noticed in the States, and they've got, I think it's, they've got really good reviews. You can see that the reviews are really strong. It's not that many of them. I've got um, something like, I think I hit 70 reviews on the first Don't Tell Meg book in the States, not not in the UK, in the States. So I've never had as many reviews on a book. That's another sideline of a side product of a book bug promo. But I saw how good the reviews were on the latter two books. I can't face the 70 because who knows what things will be in there. As you know, I, I don't generally make a habit of reading reviews uh, because I, I find they affect me quite a lot if there are negative ones. I, I'll, I can get 10 great ones and it's only the negative one that'll affect me. I was the same when I was on the radio. We used to get high listening figures, but won't get one moaning complaint letter that was very personal and it would put me off for ages. So I'm just not really good at handling that kind of, uh, you know, kind of trolley, really negative feedback. It needs to be couched uh, carefully for me. So I, I know that's one of my 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 kind of weaknesses in, in receiving feedback. Um, but I, re- I read the I read the uh, reviews of, of the the last two books, and it was I mean there were really some really strong reviews in there, and uh, you know that combined with having read a, a bestseller, it did encourage me because I tend to probably put my writing down quite a lot. You know I know I know I know it's not perfect. I know there are faults. I desperately want to to get better with my craft, but it has left me this week <laughs> for the next five minutes feeling that I don't feel a million miles away from this I feel like I'm getting closer or I'm getting quite close to this and this is what Project Bloodhound is all about of course in that in Project Bloodhound my book is going to have its first dev edit development edit which is where somebody can tell me about all the things that I think I'm probably guilty of like head hopping and showing was it telling not showing whatever it is show not tell yeah tell I'm telling not showing all these things I think probably that I'm I'm doing more than I should do I'll have somebody telling me off about that stuff and putting me right. And those are the things I feel like I need some work on. Um, so I'm going to have that development edit and then it's going to go through a copy edit and a proofread and, and only then will it go. And if you think about it, if you sent that to a publisher, a publisher would expect to do all those things anyway. So I'm going to tidy it up as much as I can, but turn it into as much of a, a learning and craft experience as I can. So, you know, I'm really trying to write something that would be as good as and acceptable to a publisher as the couple next door. That's really what Project Bloodhound is all about. So, fingers crossed, you'll hear all about it on this podcast diary. Just a couple of things to finish with now. Uh, I interviewed Dr. Ewan Lawson on Monday evening. This is this is an interview for the podcast. And uh, Ewan Lawson, uh, you probably recognise the name. He's the chap who teamed up with Joanna Penn to write The Healthy Author. I think that's what it's called. The Healthy Author? Healthy Writer? Um, but uh, Joanna Penn's latest non-fiction book. And I just happened to know that Ewan Lawson is local to me. He's a Cumbrian writer. So I thought, oh, that's, I must talk to a fellow Cumbrian writer. And completely separately to that, John Cronshaw, who's also been on this podcast a couple of times, John dropped me a note and said, oh, I've just met somebody called Ewan Lawson. We've been out for a coffee. He's a local writer. Do you know him? So I thought, all right, well, this is all the excuse I need to get him on the podcast. Loads of things to talk about. So I interviewed him on 
Monday. That interview is going to run on the 12th of February. Really uh, interesting stuff. Um, probably the interview that you obviously won't hear on Joanna's podcast because Joanna was interviewing him primarily about about the book. We do talk about the book a little bit, but we talk about his writing journey, his writing struggles. He admits to being a huge procrastinator, even though he's capable of being hugely productive and also struggling with genre because he's a GP. He says it makes perfect sense for him to write nonfiction uh, about men's health and, th- and topics like that. Uh, but he also loves thrillers and would like to write fiction. And so uh, re- really good interview with Ewan Lawson. Again, very different to to what you'll have heard on Joanna's podcast because uh, a different kind of approach, uh, I guess, on this podcast. And I'm really digging into his his writing journey. So that's coming up on the 12th of February. And also next week, this podcast is going to get recorded a day earlier because on Friday I am heading to 20 books. So... I'm terrible with this. I always book everything months in advance, stick it in my diary, then forget all about my travel plans. I must make sure I've got everything booked. But um, I think I'm flying to Heathrow sometime on Friday and then staying overnight on the Friday. We've got this posh meal with Michael Andalay on the Friday. Uh, and that's, I think uh, I got invited to that because I'd interviewed Michael uh, on the podcast. So I, I'm sort of being brought in, but I think, uh, I think predominantly it's for people who he works with in the UK who co-write with him and things like that. So we've got that posh meal on the Friday and then we've got two days of 20 books, events and speakers. And then I'm coming back. I'm flying back from Heathrow, uh, on the Monday. So it's a real kind of long weekend of writing. Um, I know for a fact that there are many listeners to this podcast going to be attending that event. So I, I'm looking forward to meeting everybody there. Please don't assume that I know you because I probably won't be wearing my glasses, which means I'm short-sighted and I'm terrible at recognising people out of context. So <laughs> please introduce yourself if I walk straight past you, okay? Don't assume that I'm going to know who you are. I am notoriously terrible at, uh, at recognising people. And um, and often uh, I do this in business when I, I do lots of training for corporates and people will say, oh, you know, we met at a course and they'll tell me what their name is and they'll get a complete blank. And then they'll tell me what their business is and I'll like, remember exactly who they are because I, I tend to remember businesses. I tend to remember books. I tend to remember, you know, re- real life things, but I'm terrible with names, absolutely terrible with names. So I hope they give us name badges because I am really, really bad at that. Apologies for that in advance. So really looking forward to, to talking to everybody. And uh, some people are flying in as well. And uh, a lot of previous guests on this podcast. So really, really looking forward to that event. Uh, a long weekend away from home, but it should be a good one and great for networking, I think. So look forward to seeing you there and I hope you have a good and a safe journey. I'll report back on that the week after. I'll give you a full report on 20 books to 50k. So that's it. Uh, quite a short diary this week. Um, a lot of this stuff is is just bubbling under. It's stuff that I can't give you the final results on yet, but I will report back on everything that I've spoken about and just kind of keep you in the loop with that. Uh, Monday is a, it's a very special anniversary episode of the podcast, um, and it's episode 100 now I could I when I started this podcast in April 2016 I kind of thought I remember Joanna Penn saying that she wouldn't appear on any podcast unless they'd recorded at least 10 episodes because most podcasts fold after the first 10 episodes and I remember thinking right well in that case then I'm going to record 10 episodes before we even start and then at least I've built I've beat the statistic and even if I only last till episode 20 or something like that at least I've beat the statistic I'm pick-headed enough to have hung on that long. 
And uh, so here we are, and here we are on Monday. It's episode 100. Now it's actually more than episode 100 because if you think that this is my 85th podcast diary, and I actually did the podcast diaries very differently in the early days. I used to just tack them on to the to the show notes for the regular podcast. I didn't do a separate page for them like I do now. And I think with the podcast diaries, it was something I wanted to try. If I remember rightly, I did a couple of them and then stopped doing them. But I got really good feedback from them, so I continued to do them. So we're actually on Monday. This is episode 85 of the diaries. We're actually up to 185, which is which seems to be absolutely remarkable. Um, that That's the real episode numbers. And at some point, I'm hoping the numbers, I can make the numbers merge so I could just pull it all together and just have sequential episodes. Whether that'll actually happen or not, I don't know. It might take too much contortion of the diaries. Um, but my, my guest is going to be Carissa Andrews. Carissa's from the States. We had a great chat. Um, very interesting. Uh, uh, Carissa's a writer. She's got loads of interesting writing things to talk about. But here's something interesting or particularly interesting about what Carissa does is she makes a living as a freelancer and she makes a living on freelance websites. So if you're a web designer or I don't know, you're a copywriter or something like that, she, she makes a really good income from being on Upwork, which is a freelancing site. And that allows her to manage her time to get the writing done and to look after her, her growing family. And, um, it's the strongest sort of episode I've recorded where somebody's talked to me about that model, about that model of being able to make their income from a site like Upwork. Um, and that then enables them to, to do their writing. It allows them uh, the flexibility of time management to get the writing done. So it's a really uh, interesting interview, as hopefully all of the interviews are, but that's going to be episode 100, 100, can you believe it, of self-publishing journeys that will be released on Monday, the 29th of January. Okay, so another 5,000 words next week, 20 books, 50K, lots and lots going on. Oh, and another thing, I'm interviewing um, Alison Ingleby, who is a sci-fi dystopian writer. Alison's been on this podcast before. She's one of the new authors that I'm following through. Now, last time I spoke to Alison, she had just, I think she just had quite a, a wounding edit, a developmental edit back on her very first book. And she was having to work through that and get it ready for publication. Well, that's been published. She's done a, a prequel to that book. She's got another book on its way, doing all sorts of things since we last spoke. So we're having a catch up with Alison and I'm recording that next Tuesday. So plenty going on in the writing world, uh, apart from just getting the writing done, of course. I hope you have a very productive week and I'll be back with another episode, same time, same place, next Saturday. Have a great week of writing. Bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.